This is the Iowa State Athletics Sidecast. This Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors with the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's SciCast is a visit with our Cyclone Radio Network analyst Eric Heft as we preview the men's basketball Big 12 season. The Big 12 again this year, the number one league far and away. And what a race it's going to be with Iowa State expected to be right in the thick of things. And so we wanted to give you a little feel for what the other 13 teams are all about. We're going to focus there. Nobody better to do it than the man who has been calling Iowa State games for 45 years, Eric Heft. We hope you enjoy this visit. Well, Eric, let's just start off with Big 12 Conference in general, which really does seem to, by every metric and every expert's opinion, be the number one league in college basketball once again this year. Well, no surprise. I mean, it's been great. You know, you had four teams, and certainly one of those teams in Houston is one of the very elite teams in the country. So, yeah, it's tough. It's a meat grinder. And I think, you know, one of the things that's going to be interesting to see with the four new additions this year is how well they stack up to the weekend, day-in, day-out grind of this conference. I mean, there's some good teams that have come in. BYU certainly a surprise. But even Houston, the fact that they're going to be knocking heads a couple times a week, see how well they hold up, too. So I won't say they've had a cakewalk in, in the American, but you know they've dominated that league, and that, they're not going to dominate this league the way they did that. Now, can they win the league? Of course. But I just think you, you look at this league top to bottom, and as I'm going through each team, I mean, they've all got some um, some outstanding strengths, and I think that's probably the big thing. Can you raise your floor? to a level where you're able to compete every night. And I think that's going to be a challenge for a lot of teams in this league. You know, I think, too, that you mentioned Houston with Kelvin Sampson and obviously Kansas with Bill Self. I mean, the list goes on and on. There are a lot of really good coaches in this league, too. And a lot of good players, certainly. We're going to touch on that. But, man, there's there's a lot of good coaches in this league, too. So it does make it a grind every night. And we've always talked about the round robin, how there was no bottom to the league. and and But... Now you're not going to play everybody twice. How do you think that might affect the race? Because not everybody's going to play the same schedule. Well, we've seen it in football, you know, first time uh, this year. And I think we're going to see the same thing in basketball. But I think one of the things about this is that, yeah, sometimes it's who you don't play as much as who you play. Like Iowa State plays Kansas only one time this year. You know, at the same time, I think the challenge is going to be is to take every game you know, like your play in Kansas. And that's very hard to do because because of the overall depth of the league. But that could play a part of it. And by the way, when you were mentioning some of those coaches in the league, now how about Scott Drew, too? You mentioned Kelvin, <laughs> Kelvin yeah. and Bill Self. You know, National Coach of the Year, National Champ a couple of years ago. You know, Mark Pope, I think, is a guy that's done a terrific job, you know, at BYU and, you know, just up, up and down. You know, Jamie Dixon has had great success. And I think, you know, that makes your league better. You know, we lost uh, Bob Huggins or West Virginia lost Bob Huggins. And I think we'll see how that plays out. But coaching is important. I, I mean, I know they say just don't get in the way, let the players play. But if you think coaching doesn't make a huge difference in your ability to execute, get everybody on the same page. I mean, I, I think you're crazy. And that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons that Kansas has been so successful because of Bill Self. Well, what I want to do with this podcast is, you know, try to get a little bit of 
knowledge on these 14 teams to our fans so that they feel prepared for the Big 12 race. And obviously, there's a lot more to keep track of when you got 14 teams in the league than when you had 10. But uh, we'll just spend a couple minutes on each team and 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 talk about them. We'll go from the the bottom of the preseason poll up, and as we do that, you'll probably notice that man, some people missed by a wide margin on some of these teams. I think, oh yeah, <laughs> for right. where they're going to end up to where they were picked. But let's start with the team that was picked for last, and that was uh, Central Florida. Johnny Dawkins is their head coach, very guard oriented team, but a really good scorer in Jalen Sellers. And UCF is playing some decent basketball right now. They're nine and three. Yeah, uh, they are. It's, it, it's actually the team I probably know the least about. I've only seen bits and pieces of their games. But with Johnny Dawkins, he's got a, a, certainly a great track record as a player. And he's done pretty well as a coach at his different stops. I think the big thing for them will be the physical nature of the Big 12 can really wear them down. I don't think they have the the, the beef inside, the, the inside game that's going to be required to be successful in this league over over an 18-game schedule. Now, BYU was picked 13th, Eric, and uh, they're that's not going to finish 13th. <laughs> they're not going to finish 13th. First of all, they have, as we know, because we've been out there, they have a great home court advantage at the Marriott Center. Secondly, they've got a bunch of guys. We just saw this New Hampshire team where all five starters could shoot the three. BYU is just like that. They've got a, a ton of scores. They average 13 threes a game, and and they're first in the nation in assist to turnover ratio. So. They've got a lot of interesting pieces, and and they're a fun team to watch. They really move the basketball well. They play a beautiful style of basketball. Well, yeah, assists, unbelievable. I mean, you know, 13 threes a game. I mean, they are a great low turnover team. You know, and that's one of the things Mark Pope, you know, last year they had kind of a an off year by their standards. But the previous three years, they were one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Last year, they shot 32%. Well, they've refound that three-point shooting. But once again, it's, it's because they're getting great looks. If you watch them play, it is beautiful basketball if you love offense. Now, defensively, I, I'm not sure that that's going to translate. But I think one thing that they have that I don't think you can, you can overstate, and that is you're playing at altitude. The only place in the league you're going to play at altitude and it's a long trip for a lot of teams. So they have a great home court advantage as we've seen in the past. But I think that home court advantage is going to be one of the top three or four in the league and make it a very difficult place. Well, if you win your home games, you've got nine wins right there. And sometimes they say defense travels. It certainly does. But, man, if you're making 13 threes a game, if, if you have an off night on the road and you only make 10, you still have a pretty good chance to win. So I like this team. Jackson Robinson can really fill it up. But he's just one of – they've got like five guys shooting 40% beyond the arc. So that is a tough matchup for a lot of teams. Yeah, Robinson, their sixth man, and certainly one of the best sixth men in the country, uh, a transfer from Arkansas. A really interesting guy on their team is Ali Khalifa, who is a six foot eleven guy from Egypt who transferred from Charlotte. And man, he has been a, a great passing center. He's he's got forty two assists and three turnovers on the season. So they run a lot of their offense through them, and they cut like crazy. And there's a little bit of Arvita Sabonis in this guy, and that's for the really old generation to to understand the, <laughs> the great passing center, Bill Walton, whatever you want to say, but. They run a lot of their offense through that high post, and, and man, they cut really well and move without the basketball really well. They're going to be tough to defend. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, Noah Waterman, too, another 6'11 guy. He's the guy that did not play particularly well last year, and now this year, you know, he's averaging 12 points a game at 6'11, shooting you know, 43% from three. So they've just got 
they have a lot a lot of nice pieces on the offensive end. I think once again the key for them will be can they defend consistently enough to nail the road wins that you really have to play great defense if you're going to win on the road in this league. Today's sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. Well, Eric, you've probably been doing your homework on Oklahoma since we're getting ready to play them on Saturday. What do you think of the Sooners? I think they're pretty good. Coming off a year uh, where you know they were last in the league, uh, when they had some nice pieces, but the pieces all left. But, man, they've done a great job adding really good pieces. McCollum, the transfer from Siena, has, has done a great job. You know, he's a guard who, who can create a lot of opportunities. You know, the thing is, the guy we were figuring was going to be really good this year, Milos Uzan, he's not really playing that well. But, boy, Tega Owe has been unbelievable. He's a terrific athlete. Last year, I would say untapped, if you will, as an offensive player, unskilled. Uh, but, man, he has just been able to to light it up. He's shooting. I mean, he doesn't shoot a ton of threes, but, man, he's making all of them, <laughs> which is which is really tough. And his ability, I think, is great. Jalen Moore, another transfer. Hughley, a transfer. Those guys have stepped in. And, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get in the transfer portal, how it's going to translate. These guys have really translated well, and I think that's been a huge plus for Porter Moser. And the thing will be, can you keep these guys happy over the course of the season? I think that's going to be part of it. But it's another team, you know, a team picked 12th. Don't think they're going to finish 12th. No, it certainly doesn't appear that way. 12-1, and one, their best start since their 15-16 team went to the Final Four. And the only loss was against uh, North Carolina in Charlotte. Now they haven't played a true quote-unquote road game yet, but I mean, that one basically was. But yeah, I think the transfer portal for some of these teams, you know, it's like you bring three or four pieces back and you try to see those guys develop and become better, which they certainly have, because I think Oway, Godwin, you know, you mentioned Yuzan, you know, those were nice pieces returning, but then you complement them with some transfers, some guys out of the portal that really uh, can change your roster. And I think, like Iowa State, that's what Oklahoma's done. You know, and sometimes it's about fit. If you're just looking for talent, that's one thing. But to be really, really successful, you've got to have guys that have the talent and and the traits that are going to fit your system. And I, and I think Porter's done a pretty good job of that so far. It certainly looks that way. All right, let's move on to the team that was picked for 11th as we work our way up to number one in uh, the preseason poll. Cincinnati was picked for 11th, and uh, right now, uh, West Miller's team is 11-2. and two. They've played most of those games at home as well. But, uh, you know, some familiar names, certainly with C.J. Frederick and their starting lineup, former Iowa player. But they, too, have hit the transfer portal and gotten in some really good players. And tough place to play. We know that, too. We went in there, saw Abdul Nader hit a late shot to, to get a great win there. But it's it's not an easy place to play. No, and it's totally different, too. That was, you know, Nick Cronin was there. Cronin had done a terrific job. Of course, they got their revenge the next year by winning a name. So it was, a, it was a really good series. But, you know, they lost some pretty good players. But once again, they brought in some outstanding transfers. You mentioned C.J. Frederick. He's on his third school right now. Day-Day Thomas. Seamus Lacocious transfer from Butler. And he's a guy that he's going to be a tough guard because his ability to shoot the three-point shot, he's got some size. All the guys that they've brought in, have been able to contribute so far. Now, as we talk about all these teams, one of the things 
is if you look at the at the relative strength of schedule of the teams they've played, it makes it really hard. Some of these teams, you know, Baylor's played some really tough teams. You know, Kansas obviously has played tough teams. Houston, not so much. So when we're looking at these numbers so far, it's really hard to get a handle on, okay, how does this translate to the next level? And I think Cincinnati's a prime example of that. I agree with you. And uh, they're going to go to BYU to open Big 12 play this Saturday. One quick note on their roster. Jizzle James, a 6'1 freshman, is the son of Edron James, the former NFL running back. So kind of a, a fun little note on their team. But uh, Averaging uh, about nine points a game. Yeah, it hasn't been bad. You're right. You're yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the number 10 pick in the preseason poll, and that was Oklahoma State. And not really sure what to think of them yet, Eric. I think they, uh, they did get a really great addition with Javon Small, a uh, point guard from East Carolina. But it just doesn't seem like they're clicking yet. No, you know, they struggle to shoot the basketball. I, I think that's one of, the, one of the things. You know, they have really had Iowa State's number from a defensive standpoint. They've been really good defensively, especially against us. But, you know, once again, they lost a ton in the portal, including late in the portal, which is like the worst thing that can happen. I have them in the bottom tier of, of the league right now. I just don't see that they have the firepower. You're right. Small has played well. He's averaging over 15 points, five rebounds, five assists. Just kind of like about the same thing he did at East Carolina, but they just don't have enough pieces around him. I mean, Bryce Thompson has been okay, but they don't have a great presence inside. They don't shoot the ball very well. And I think all those things. And when I've watched them play, it seemed a little disinterested at times too, which I think pretty early in the year for that to be the case. Well, we'll see them early in Hilton Coliseum, but uh, Mike Boynton has done a nice job with the program. We'll see, you know, a lot can change. You know, your opinion on these teams can certainly change oh, yeah. uh, and will change over the course of the year with several of these teams, but we're basing it on what we're seeing going into conference play. Speaking of change, <laughs> I'm not sure you're going to find a team with more change than the, the team that was picked ninth in the preseason poll, and that's West Virginia. New coach, tons of new players, and change right even at the semester that has really impacted their team. And I think one of the most deceiving teams, if you just look at records and stats right now, you're going to think, okay, West Virginia's at the bottom of the league. But, again, I don't think they'll finish at the bottom of the league. Well, I don't either. Two weeks ago, I might have said yes, <laughs> that that I would pick them for the bottom of the league. But – when you add the players that they've added in the last couple of weeks, Noah Farrakhan, uh, Raekwon Battle, Kirk Creese, uh, I mean, those guys are proven commodities. And really, Farrakhan was a big-time scorer at Eastern Michigan. Kirk Creese was the point guard for Arizona, for crying out loud. You know, And Raekwon Battle started at Washington and was a couple-time all-conference player at Montana State. And I think he's the real key to this team because if you look at their other holdovers, you know, they haven't gotten a ton out of, out of those guys. The other guy, too, that we haven't seen a ton of yet, he's been injured, you know, is Jesse Edwards, 6'11", transfer from Syracuse. So it's a team that I would have picked last in the league about three weeks ago. But now with all these people becoming eligible because of the multi- multiple transfer rule, man, they're moving up a tier. I had them in the, in the bottom tier of the league, and now I can see them finishing somewhere in the middle. On the other hand, Josh Eilert, who's been with Bob Huggins since Bob was at Kansas State, he has a great feel for West Virginia. He's been there a long time, but he's not Bob Huggins. And, and I think his first year as, as a head coach, kind of an interim deal, you don't know how that's going to play out in the long term either. John, you mentioned it early in this cast. This league is full of great coaches, and Josh has to prove himself. They've lost some games. Even with those guys, they lost to Radford. Now, granted, it was their first game. So I think 
West Virginia in the conference standings right now is a real wild card. They could yeah. maybe, maybe maybe the biggest gap between floor and ceiling. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And we won't see them till late. And so by that time, they could really be clicking and, and be yeah. on a roll, especially when they get Edwards back. He's out six weeks with a wrist injury, but he's about halfway through that period now. I'd say about two or three weeks out probably, but really good value transfer from Syracuse and uh, had pretty good numbers. So yeah, they're, they're a fascinating team and they'll continue to be fascinating uh, over the course of the season. Are you tired of settling for ordinary when it comes to your company's apparel? Well, say goodbye to basic and hello to a new standard of style known as authentic brand. It's not just a label, it's a lifestyle from sleek office essentials to laid back everyday wear. Authentic brand is the label for you. Let's move up to number eight in the poll, and that was Texas Tech and another team with a new coach, but a proven coach in Grant McCasland and some familiar names, but they hit the portal. Darian Williams, a guy that Iowa State showed some interest in out of Nevada. Joe Toussaint, who fans around here are familiar with, started his career at Iowa, went yeah. to West Virginia, and, and is now at that Texas Tech uh, roster. Not many times you get a play against a guy who's playing for three different teams. And you've played them all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think of this Texas Tech team? They lost some really good players. Kevin O'Banner, for sure. Harmon, Amat Cabacho, and Jalen Tyson were big losses. They lost a lot, and they brought in some good pieces, for sure. Darian Williams, uh, Warren Washington in particular. You know, how good Texas Tech has been defensively. Well, keep in mind, at North Texas, you know, where Grant McCaslin was coach, I mean, they were kind of, of the mid-major Virginia. I mean, they played. They played slower. They played a tremendous defense, and, and so once again, it's going to be how well they defend uh, for sure, which I think is going to be a constant. But but a big thing for them, in my mind, will be can they score enough, and you know, the, can they share the ball? I, I think Pop Isaac's, you know, the one returner they have, who I think is a really has high upside. But his floor can be a little low at times, too. He's not always been a great decision maker, but he's a dynamic scorer that, you know, when you're playing low possession games, he can get his own shot. How well he's able to play consistently throughout the season along with Joe Toussaint in that backcourt is going to be a really big factor for them. But I like their team. I think they're a, a mid-third or second quadrant in the league uh, kind of uh, finish for the Red Raiders. When you write about Grant McCaslin, they uh, at North Texas led the nation in scoring D. The last two years, 55.7 a game in both of those seasons. So that's where they're going to hang their hat. All right, Iowa State was picked for seventh. We're going to skip by them for the meantime, and we'll come back to Iowa State at the end. Oh, okay. We're not going to skip Iowa State completely. You still no, care no. about them, right? Yeah, okay. we still care about them. Yep, yep. Okay. We'll, we'll come back to them and kind of figure out where they fit in this whole puzzle at the end. But in the meantime, let's move up to the team that was picked for sixth, and that was Jerome Tank's Kansas State team. Again, I think the jury's out on this team. You know, yeah. uh, Cam Carter and Arthur Kaluma are very good players, but I don't know. I, it just doesn't feel like they have the depth and maybe the star power that they had a year ago when they had Marquise Noel and Johnson. They were just terrific with those two players. Yeah. Marquise Noel was you know, the unique player, maybe the most unique player in college basketball last year. Most electric, almost got them to the Final Four. But he was everything along with Keontae Johnson to that team. Uh, there are other pieces. I mean, I certainly think that Carter's a pretty good player. Kaluma can be really good. I'm not as high on him as, as a lot of people. But Tyler Perry, a transfer in, is, is a really nice piece for, for them. 
but I'm with you. This team hasn't really come together. I don't know that they have enough pieces to, to be picked that high in the league. And certainly the way they've played so far has been spotty at best. So I'm not a real believer in K-State this year. And I would have them, you know, probably, you know, certainly in the lower half of the league, at least at this point, unless they find some magic and way to become more consistent. They have not been a great shooting team. And I think, you know, where Marquise Noel could erase so many things a year ago. I mean, just make plays and just be incredible steals, baskets, assists, whatever, in, in really tough situations. They don't have anybody like that, and, and I think he masked some of the other holes that they had in their roster a year ago because he was just so good and able to overcome. Yeah, and it, it, it'll be interesting. Jerome Tang is a good coach. We saw that yeah. a year ago, very good coach, and, you know, again, our opinions can change o- over the course of the year, <laughs> and you know they will. You know, I mean, these teams are going to get hot. They're going to get cold. We're going to see that throughout the season. TCU was picked fifth, Eric, and – They've got a really interesting roster. You know, they've got they've got 10 guys that basically play some minutes for them. And every one of the 10 started their career somewhere else besides TCU. But Jamie Dixon, a very good coach. And a lot of these guys that I mentioned started elsewhere have been at TCU for a couple right. or three years now. So they, they do have some veteran presence about them. I don't want to make it sound like they're all new guys. But they're an interesting team. And I think one that's dangerous in the Big 12. Yeah, they are. You talk about evolution of coaching philosophy. I mean, Jamie Dixon, when he was at Pitt and early at TCU, slower tempo. Now they play one of the fastest tempos in college basketball. They play a lot of different players. Not many of them can shoot. And I think that's going to be one of the big things that could hold them back. I mean, they... They like to push, but we saw what Iowa State was able to do, take their transition game away, make them play in the half court, and and they have a hard time finding baskets. And that was with Mike Miles. They lost Damian Ball. They lost a couple really, I I think, the two two keyest pieces, if you will. I didn't throw at Eddie Lampkin, who was one of the best offensive rebounders in the country. Those guys all gone. I I just don't see that this team has enough pieces to be – upper half of the league. Now, they could be because they're an old team. They've got a lot of depth, but I think if you can limit their transition opportunities uh, to just a few, they'll have a hard time scoring. Now, they're pretty good defensively, but I don't think that they're one of the teams. that I wouldn't call them an elite team in this league. I don't think I'd call them elite, but I still think they're pretty dangerous, and I, I do think that you know, it's, fin- it's funny you mentioned the style of play with Jamie Dixon because you're exactly right and how much that's changed, but what it really reminds me of the way they play now is Bob Huggins' early teams at West Virginia because they will turn you over and get out yeah. and run and, and score and multiple guys that can start the break and they'll score off those turnovers. But then they're also really, really good on the offensive glass. And so, they'll, you know, you mentioned they don't have a lot of shooters and that's that was certainly true of those West Virginia teams too. But they still yeah. found a way to win because they'd out-possession you. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's what TCU does. Well, I mean, and I really like Emmanuel Miller. I mean, he's a really good player. Jameer Nelson Jr. was a pretty good pickup in the transfer portal. Avery Anderson is a guy I thought would be a really good pickup for them, but he's shooting, you know, twenty percent beyond the arc. He's not. He's struggling and not giving them that some of that shooting that they were hoping to find in the portal. Yeah, they've got nice pieces and they've got decent size, but I would say so far the portal has not done them as well as some of the other teams. Ernest Uday, the big guy from Kansas, has just been okay. And once again, Avery Anderson has not played that well. So I'm just not sure. You may well be right. And and they could be a a top five or six team in the league. But 
I think they're just going to struggle enough to score that's going to be tough for them. Well, Baylor's a team that is picked to finish fourth in the preseason poll. You mentioned Scott Drew early in this sidecast, and mm-hmm. they debuted a brand-new arena last night, Foster Pavilion. It's going to be a tough setting. I mean, It's going to remind me a little bit of when we went into Texas last year, you know, and you, you actually have the place full and the fans are right on top of you. I think that's going to give them a real decided home court advantage compared to the Farrell Center. Oh, maybe. I, I think the biggest thing, the biggest challenge when you play Baylor, typically, is their players are really good. Yeah, that's true this year, too. You know, yeah. and, and you know, Baylor's basketball fan base really hasn't been that, you know, that passionate, to say the least. But once again, they got a McDonald's All-American who can really play, Jacoby Walter at guard. One of the best portal gets, you know, in Ray J. Dennis, certainly one of the best in the Big 12. And I think those two guys, Jalen Bridges, the guy coming back, I think is really big. And then, you know, you've got Jonathan John Wachachua, uh coming back for a sixth year. Ojin Wuna, another big guy. So they've got some size. I think the big thing for them will be if they get consistent play out of their sixth, seventh, and eighth players. I think their, their starting five is really good. Now, they've had a mixed non-con for sure. I mean, Michigan State had been struggling. They went up there and just got absolutely housed, you know, then lost to Duke, which is, you know, okay, that's not a big deal. But I, I think they've got weapons, and I think the big thing will be everybody talked last year about Keontae George. You know, he was a freshman, and they had – you know, really good guards. Well, those guards are all gone. I think Jacoby Walter is better than Keontae George was a year ago. And I think he's a guy who has the it factor, who could elevate his team, where Keontae George wasn't. I mean, he was a very good player, obviously, you know, lottery pick. But I, I think Jacoby Walter is a better player. And Ray J. Dennis has that experience. He's a, a fifth-year guy. and has been good for five years, two at Boise, two at Toledo, and then now down in Waco. And certainly I've seen him play a number of times, both at Toledo and now at Baylor. He has a knack for making plays. I just like that backcourt. Once again, you have to love Baylor's backcourt every year, but I I think this one is really, really good. Uh, No question. And uh, ESPN put out a mock draft today and had Jacoby Walter as the fourth pick in the draft. Uh, They had their center, Eves Misi, a seven-footer from Cameroon, as the 20th pick in the first round and yeah, but, we haven't and, even mentioned him <laughs> so yeah and then he he runs the floor so well he alters shots i mean yeah he's the guy yeah <laughs> that good point i think uh, one no. thing i think one thing with baylor that's really going to dictate do they have a, a really good season or a great season is going to be their defense i think they're really talented offensively i think how committed will they be to the defensive end of the floor because if they're great there, like they have been some years under Scott Drew, yep, no question. But I'm not sure this team's there yet. But if they can get there, I think the sky's the limit yeah. for this Baylor team. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. Kelvin Sampson, we talk about him and, and defense. He said when Baylor beat Houston to win the, on the way to the national championship, he said Baylor was considerably better defensively than we were that year. They were the best defensive team they'd played all year. And so it gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. But you're right. They haven't been. They certainly weren't as good defensively a year ago. And I think, yeah, they have to be better than they were last year if they're going to contend to win. They're going to be really good no matter what. But if they're going to take that step up and truly contend for Big 12 championship, that's going to have to get better. On Football Saturdays, our John Deere run of the game is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Nothing runs like a deer, especially when supported by the team at Van Wall Equipment the Cyclones' John Deere dealer of choice. 
All right, let's move on to the number three pick in the preseason poll, and that was Texas. And mm-hmm. mixed results from them early on, but one guy that's really emerged is Dylan Mitchell. He's so athletic at 6'8", left-handed. And, uh, you know, you've got Max Aismas, a great scorer. You've got Tyrese Hunter, Brock Cunningham, uh, Caden Shadrick, the transfer from Virginia. So there's some pieces there, but it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of go. I think the addition, when they got to Sue back, it, it made him a different team. Now we'll see if he can stay healthy too, but... There's a lot of talent on that Texas roster. There is. I, you know, I think once again, uh, it's a really small backcourt, you know, with Tyrese and, and Max Amos. Now, they're also the two leading scorers, uh, and they're both really good players. Can Ace must be a good enough defender at this level? I, I, I think is a question mark for them. But I agree with you. I think Dylan Mitchell's really good. I think he's still uh, not super skilled. I mean, he, he's a great athlete, but. I don't see him as a game breaker. Dylan DeSue, on the other hand, man, big time player. I think he's come a long way. When they lost him last year in you know tournament, it really hurt. He was their best player in the NCAA tournament last year before he got hurt. So I really like him. He gives them some inside presence. He can shoot the three. He's a stretch guy and play multiple positions. He's a guy that I think can be a real problem. I wouldn't have them as the number three team based on what I've seen so far, but they certainly could finish that. What about Houston? They're coming into Hilton Coliseum next week, and they were picked second in the preseason poll, but they're number three in the country. They're number one in the net. Kelvin Sampson, an incredible coach. They're undefeated. I watch them play, and I'm awed by their commitment to the defensive end and their athleticism. And yeah, they've got they've got a lot of really good players. You talk about Baylor with great guards. How about these Houston guards, man? They they are something special. Yeah, I mean they're they're really good. I mean they're good pretty much everywhere. Jamal Shedd, when he's when he's engaged, he he is a terrific terrific guard. Jawan Roberts is a really good player. Though they lost Terrence Arsenault for the year, he was a nice piece. Uh, so their depth is going to be a little bit down. L.J. Cryer, the transfer from Baylor, is their leading scorer. Now I would say this: as good as they are defensively, Cryer was the weak link in Baylor's defense last year, and I think the question is going to be: can he defend to the level to keep Kelvin Sampson happy and he's going to need him on the court to make shots he's shooting 40% from three like he always does or better but I like this team because you talk about defense travels and like I mentioned earlier the one thing is they're going to be playing more tough competition night in and night out than they have in the past however you know Kelvin Sampson is that guy who who knows what it's like to battle the Big 12 back when it was you know it was really good when he was there before and he won a couple of a Big 12 tournament. Matter of fact, right after Iowa State, well, although some of these schools aren't even in the Big 12 anymore, but but Kelvin understands the, you know, the whole context of playing in the Big 12. Uh, but his style, I, I think, once again, is one that will travel. Now, can they make enough shots? I, I mean, they're a terrific offensive rebounding team, uh, not a great shooting team. And I think, once again, if you're able to do, just like with TCU, Keep TCU from running. Keep Houston off the offensive glass. It's going to give you a chance. You just nailed it. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, yeah, when they miss shots, they are really, really good at going and getting them back and getting opportunities. And they don't have a ton of size, but they're just so athletic and play so hard. And, you know, think about a guy like Melvin Edge. I mean, how good of an offensive rebounder 
he was. Think about having like five or six Melvin Edgems because that's that's right. kind of what Houston is. And yeah, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be a load, and it, it's gonna be really fun to see, how, as you mentioned, how they compete night in and night out in this league. But that's a that's a team to certainly keep an eye on, and so is Kansas, obviously the number one pick. Really? Uh, yeah, Eric, I love their starters. I'm not in love with their bench right now, but. Obviously, there's good players there that can develop. But, man, their starting five is really, really good. And they've got the the leading scorer in the Big 12 Conference right now in Kevin McCuller. They've got the leading rebounder in the Big 12 Conference in Hunter Dickinson. And they've got their leading assist guy in the Big 12 in Dewan Harris. So they've got all kinds of pieces and a great coach in Bill Self. Yes, uh, I, mean, I would start with Bill Self. I think he, he is maybe the as good, maybe the best coach in college basketball. He He gets good players. He coaches them up. He, he's great in game. Uh, player development's been good. So, I mean, he, he, he touches all the bases there. But I'm totally with you. Uh, I mean, I, I think it, with McCuller, Dickinson, KJ Adams, uh, Dwan Harris, they've got four really good players. I'm not a sold on their fifth starter, El Marco Jackson. He's a really good young player. But then after that, I mean, Johnny Furphy. Nicholas Timberlake, those guys have not really produced yet at a great level. So I think there are real question marks about their depth. But there is no question about the starters. I mean, Dewan Harris is a winner for sure. Although I will say Taman Lipsy certainly matched up with him very well a couple times last year and, and did a terrific job on him. How do teams match up with Hunter Dickinson? I mean, he's really good. The, the pick and pop, the pick and roll. As you mentioned, he's the leading rebounder in the league. And at his size, he creates a dimension that a lot of teams are going to really struggle to keep under wraps. But And Kevin McCuller is a Swiss Army knife. Score, rebound, defend, assist. I mean, as you mentioned, leading scorer in the league right now. I don't know if he's going to end up there, but he may be the best player, player of the year in the league if Kansas is able to win it because I think he is he's the one guy, the main guy that they have that touches all the bases and is super clutch as well. Yeah, you lose Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick off last year's team, but you know, insert Hunter Dickinson and and the beat goes on at Kansas. And another year of development for KJ Adams. You know, I mean that that inside duo with Dickinson and Adams, I mean Adams as good as there is in, in pick and roll himself, getting to the basket and finishing. They've got the really nice pieces. But once again, it's going to require maybe El Marco Jackson, even though he's starting to, to step up his game a little bit, or somebody off the bench to give them something. The other thing about them right now, I question their ability over the course uh, of the season to be a consistent three-point shooting team. I think that could be a real problem for them at times. And when they lose, that may be one of the reasons where they just can't get it from the perimeter. All right, well, let's wrap it up with this. Where does Iowa State fit in all this? Now, the Cyclones were picked middle of the pack. They were picked for seventh in the preseason poll. We've seen them get off to an 11-2 and start in non-conference play in December, 6-0, and 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 obviously didn't play a ton of competition, but 6-0 and with an average margin of victory of 30. A lot of guys playing really well. So what what do you think, Eric, of Iowa State and where they kind of fit potentially in this Big 12 race? Well, that's a great question. And I think we talk about uh, teams in the league where, man, you, you could really be off. And because of Iowa State's schedule, it, how dominant they've been in, in the vast majority of it and the struggles they've had a couple times down in Orlando, it kind of makes you say, I'm not really sure. Uh, right now, I mean, I would have them in the second tier. 
KU, Houston in the opening tier. Then they've got about six teams in that next tier. And so where Iowa State's picked is probably pretty close to, to how I look at them. I don't know how high the ceiling is. If you say, how good is Iowa State right now? I would say, well, Iowa State's pretty good. I don't know what their ceiling is. I think the biggest thing, and even mentioned this to TJ the other day, the biggest thing will be, can you keep your floor high? One way you keep your floor high is by being that consistent defensive team that gives you a chance every night out. I think the consistency of the offense and the ability to limit turnovers is going to be huge for Iowa State offensively. And I think it could finish as high as third, fourth, or fifth, somewhere in there or maybe down at eight or nine, who knows. But what a, I just like the trajectory of this team. And once again, we don't know about injuries for any of these teams, but getting Hassan Ward back was certainly big for us. And if we can avoid future injuries, I think he rounds out a nice complement of depth at every position for Iowa State. And what sometimes the roster construct is very important when you have these guys, a couple of guys at every position who can play and give you that depth that gives you a chance. Yeah, and this team offensively is playing with some pace. They're getting out and going and getting a lot of offense out of their defense. And if that can continue, you know, that could be a, a difference maker in some of these close games. And, and one thing Iowa State has done that, that they were not able to do in the previous couple of years or for quite a while, because of their ability to attack, I mean, they've shot more free throws and made more free throws than any other Big 12 so far uh, this season now. Once again, how much of that is a, a function of who you've played uh, and, and would be determined by who you do play, but I think Iowa State's ability. Now, the next thing will be, can you improve that free throw percentage from 69 to 75? That's three or four points a game right there. When one's missed, the front ends are killers down the stretch. So can you improve that percentage right there? So many of these games are going to come down to three or four points, you know, so – I like the fact Iowa State's getting there. Hopefully they can pick that up. But the other thing about this Iowa State team that we have not seen uh, consistently the last few years, the ability to make the three-point shot. We've talked about Iowa State's ability to score. Part of that is Taman Lipsy is just playing. I mean, and there are a lot of really good point guards in this league. I don't think any point guard in this league is playing better than Taman Lipsy right now, just across the board, all things considered. And the difference when he's out on the court and not is tremendous. It's just absolutely huge. And once again, having a, gr a great point guard gives you a chance too. So if he maintains his shooting, you know, 38, 40 plus percent beyond the arc, man, I, I really like that. And Curtis Jones making threes. The other question, Milan Monchilovic is, is not the strongest, physically the strongest player, but he's one of the most skilled players that Iowa State has and has had for a while. Can he withstand 18 games of pounding? Because it's going to be a different level than what he's faced for the most part so far. So far, so a lot of questions for every team, not just Iowa State. I like where Iowa State is right now, and I'm excited to see the challenge because it doesn't get much uh, tougher than starting out on the road against the number 12 team in the country, and then come home to play the team that could be the best team in the country in Houston. Yeah, a lot of questions, and we'll start getting answers right away with, with those two <laughs> opponents, that's for sure. All right, thanks for taking so much time, Eric. It's been fun to kind of look at the league a little bit and get excited about the race because, man, when you're in the best conference in the country, you should be excited about the race. And Iowa State has a good team, and it's going to be fun. Hilton's going to be wild, and I think fans are going to really enjoy watching these teams come into Hilton Coliseum. Okay. 
I think probably a handful of tickets left total <laughs> for the entire conference season. So, yeah, it's awesome. It is going to be fun to be back in Hilton and and playing uh, playing meaningful basketball against uh, tremendous competition. Yeah, it's good. As Johnny Orr would say, it's going to be nutty. Ooh, coach. All right. All right. Well, thanks, Eric, and uh, we'll we'll see you in Norman, Oklahoma. All right. Today's sidecast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn how to farm better, work smarter, and play harder when you run with Van Wall and John Deere. Thanks for listening.